Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. This is a special bonus feature for this month. We're providing two podcasts with my friends, uh, Jim Malloy. Uh, from the Maritimes District Office, Dave Soller from Glace Bay in Nova Scotia, and Chad Nerkison in St. John, New Brunswick. And they talk about community engagement, some practitioners working through the COVID crisis. The interview was recorded three weeks ago, but uh, there was so much stuff in there, I felt like, no, this needs to get replayed. And so we're happy to replay it for you on the Multiply Network podcast And they talk about being community-focused, developing partnerships uh, with other community charities, being consistent, and uh, and not to forget what they're learning in COVID-19 once we return to whatever normal is going to be. We need to make the transition to community engagement, and they're going to help you, and it's coming up right now. I want to talk to you guys today a little bit about um, what you're doing. So both of you, Dave, you're in Glace Bay, Chad, you're in St. John. Both of you are in environments where poverty is very obvious. Social need is very obvious. You also have, are in areas where addiction is high, disconnect is high. Students who have gone back home are living at home now. The only reprieve they had in the daytime was, was going to school. Then they go back to, to, to dangerous homes. Uh, so there's all kinds of layers of now social need and and real world need and and, and real um, real ministry need that needs to happen. So I thought we could talk a little bit today about about some of the things that your two churches are doing in 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 particular. Chad, uh, Chad, maybe I'll start with you uh, and just ask a little bit about your your pantry pr- program and how are you? How, what is that doing? What is that? And and how are you able to execute that even with all this distancing rules and challenges? What? Just give us a little rundown of how you're how you're tackling it. Really, the uh, the pantry ministry has been running in our church for around uh, twenty five plus years. Uh, it's the third Thursday of the month. Um, we gather folks uh, from our neighborhood. They come in. We have a safe place for them to just kind of drop in and hang out. We serve uh, some beverages and, and refreshments. Uh, doors open, you know, eleven fifteen, and then at twelve o'clock we have uh, someone share an inspirational message. Then we have a hot meal that's provided, all all free of charge, and uh, then we hand out a bag of groceries to each person that's that's present. Uh, and it's a stopgap measure. We're not an official food bank. It's an extra help along the way. Some folks in our church felt to do this twenty five plus years ago, and so when COVID nineteen happened, it kind of messed everything up because we can't really gather. We can't do that which we usually do. We also serve other folks through uh, through the month that can't come on that day. We're able to help them and serve them with a bag of groceries. But we were, we were caught just off guard with COVID-19. We didn't know how we could proceed. So we tried to carefully follow the guidelines of the public health agency and, uh, and do what we could with social distancing and whatnot. So in uh, March, on the third Thursday of March, we did go forward. We had the event in the church parking lot. Um, we served hot meals for takeout in takeout uh, containers. And uh, we had 56 guests come, some first timers. 
it seemed to be really, really well received. It was a little tricky, the logistics. We had to have a skeleton crew and we tried to really bless our guests that the folks that were coming understood that we weren't uh, in any way uh, trying to make them, um, you know, uh, put out or feel like they have some illness. We wanted to protect them and we we're very clear with them on that. But really most of the other ministries in our church most of them have actually had to cease because we have so many other gatherings that we didn't see how we could do with COVID-19. We have some online Bible studies and other things. There's a, a you know, other, other groups that are trying to connect through Zoom and other ways, but pantry is the one that, that we really have put the time and effort in to try to continue to do that. All right. And how you, how are you paying for it? Well, that was the other challenge because when we don't have regular, uh, life rolling along. We don't have the normal donations and donors that are contributing. And so uh, we we are doing the best we can uh, with, uh, you know, the donations we have. We were contacted by the United Way in Greater St. John, and they were participating in something called the Atlantic Compassion Fund. And so uh, charities could apply for funding from that. So we did that. Mm-hmm. And we just heard a couple of days ago that we've received some funding, a thousand dollars, to help us for the next month, and they were also a great resource to help us connect with other community groups, other initiatives that are happening, and some things I didn't even know existed. Even though I've been here for 16 years, there's groups that are helping in other ways. So we're able to partner together and and try to still support and help people. But this funding from the United Way is going to really help us for the next month to continue to to serve folks in a in a very special way. Right now. I know at Calvary Temple in St. John, where you are, there was, there's often a lot of people who just come knocking on the door asking for help because your church is known as a generous and helpful church. Is, how is that? Is that changed now for you? Is that you just do this thing or do you, or is there a volume of intake that you're still trying to process? We, we basically are pouring all of our efforts right now for that type of uh, benevolent ministry into the pantry program because of COVID. Uh, the building is is closed to the general public. Uh, the the uh, the office door is not able to be answered because we're trying to protect uh, the staff. Uh, so so really for us, we're, we're on social media. We're connecting with folks uh, that have reached out to us through phone or through social media in our neighborhood that needed support in other ways. So we're trying to help them best the way we can. But yeah, we're not able to help people like we always are known for because of COVID right now. Right, exactly. Dave, you're up in Cape Breton, in my home, uh, which which has you know some of the highest poverty rates in the nation in the North America, and and addiction rates are through the roof. What are the you know as you've adjusted your 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 church is fairly digital. You're you're fairly capable with digital stuff anyway, so you shifted quickly into responding to need. What what are the things you're seeing there? What are the needs that are presenting in front of you now? Well, I would say our main one right now is just food security. So every community, like, well, Glace Bay alone, we had 500 kids that eat at school every day. Right. Who um, are not right now. And every community here is the same. So New Waterford had about the same numbers. And so we're, we've all been trying to figure out how on earth do we get um, food to kids? And it's not just kids. Right. Too. I mean, our senior population is almost in the same boat, but we just have a high percentage that the system we had for kids is just gone. Right. 
And so we've been um, spending the last really two and a half weeks working with a lot of groups on how to address that. And it's been the complications of social distancing um, have been extreme trying to figure out. So basically I've been in meetings every single day for hours trying to figure out how on earth are we going to do this for hundreds of kids. So we, we've been quite successful though in rolling out some plans and uh, most of our stuff's getting rolling this weekend uh, with several groups across the CBRM. Right. So one of the things I'm hearing from our churches is they, again, they've solved the online problem uh, and now they want to solve the other problems. And some communities don't have the levels of poverty that your two churches are, are having or those those social issues. Um, But what they're really coming up against is we want to reach the need. We want, even with, even in youth ministry, we want to connect with students. We want to care for students, students. They're their one safe place was youth group, but now they've lost that. Uh, But, but what they're bumping up against, of course, is the social distancing regulations to, they want to be the feet on the ground, but they're, they're, they're not allowed to move their feet. So it's a real challenge. How are you navigating that at, in the Lighthouse? Well, it's because we've partnered. Like, for example, our lunch bag program, we're working with the school board. So um, it's actually teachers that are calling the homes to find out what kids need meals, et cetera. And then um, tomorrow there is, we're doing delivery um, of meals. And so public health is the one giving us the, um, the guidelines to do safe delivery. And it's only because we're reaching out and partnering with the groups who are allowed to work that it's made that possible. So with us, it's been uh, United Way, New Dawn here, inspiring um, communities, the health board. Um, I'm actually forgetting some groups and the school board all working together um, to make that happen. So, I mean, it's been a huge challenge. So uh, for those who think it, it's not possible, though, it is like in a short period of time, we've been able to pull together some a substantial amount of funding. And I don't know, part of it may be because we're in Cape Breton, we already have these high poverty needs. So I feel like inspiring communities, may, I think, is using us as the pilot project because we, uh, New Waterford and Glace Bay, for example, have the highest child poverty rates outside of Aboriginal communities in the Mar- I think in the Maritimes. So it's, Anyways, uh, they're throwing some money this way, but it's only because we're working with all those groups that it's possible. And I think that's the key. If you're trying to do this on your own, I think you get shut down really fast. I think the health board may shut you down, but there is a way to do it if you're willing to work with some partners. Chad, any advice to, uh, to churches who, who are sort of saying, I just, we just can't solve this problem of social distancing uh, you know, there, there are some churches who have just said, well, you know, that what we're going to do is we're going to deliver online content uh, because the restrictions are so challenging. And, and of course, the makeup of their church is challenging. They don't, you know, some churches have have a lot of seniors and to put them out doing deliveries, for example, would be a real would be a real uh, unwise thing to do. Uh, any suggestions for our churches and how to 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 leverage uh, and, and the resources they have to meet real social need? I'll echo what, what Dave said a minute ago. I think it really is important at this time to network with other organizations. We so often want to be solo silos, do our own thing, you know, but, but it really is important that we work together and, uh, and try to accomplish the most we can. We have a lot of senior citizens in our church and uh, we're encouraging our folks to be with following guidelines from public health, be good neighbors, uh, you know, if you're out for your walk, keep your six six feet plus 
um, between others, but say hi and, and you know, uh, ask if anybody needs anything. Do you need a box of milk? Do you need, you know, whatever that I can drop off at your door? Uh, we are using some of the online means to connect with folks because I didn't realize a lot of our clients in the south end of St. John are online. I didn't really realize that as many of them are as they are. And so we're able to have really great, meaningful conversations there as well, where people that I've never got to talk about spiritual things with are now saying, I need hope. I'm really discouraged. I don't know what to do. And that's another great avenue to serve and help. I think some churches could have some teams that do contact in that way intentionally to chase down some folks and just love and encourage people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what are the next problems, Chad, that you are having to solve? What's the, do you have? <laughs> not to, know, there's, a, there's a thousand small ones, but are there any other ones in front of you? Like, we got to figure out how to do or you feel like you're, you, you sort of got your lane, uh, you're doing the pantry and you're meeting, you're, you're doing relational ministry. Do you have any glaring problems that are coming down that you see coming down the track for you? For me, uh, I think it's when all the chips fall back into place once some normalcy of life picks up again. Uh, we were just starting a, a building project for our roof. Our roof has to be redone quite urgently at the church. And, and we were just starting the campaign to fundraise for that. And then this summer have that done. That's now all totally off the rails. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to pick up the pieces once we get back to some normalcy, whenever that is weeks, months, whatever uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get back on track then, but, but to be positive, I see a great opportunity where for us here in a more traditional church, once we get back to whatever normalcy that there'll be, we will continue some of these things that we've started to do with the phone calling, the 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 uh, uh, connections on social media, some of the uh, you know broadcasting that we're doing, even some of the Zoom groups. We're going to continue that stuff because we hadn't used that a lot, a little bit, uh, but now it's it's become more common in people's lives in our group. So we're going to continue to try to utilize that as we go forward. Right, people have become very comfortable with. The Zoom technology very fast and video conferencing. They 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 actually it's actually becoming uh, the, you know the for your first Zoom meeting is you feel very distant you feel disconnected, but after a couple of them you just like today when we're talking together I feel like you guys are in the room and just it's comfort now. Uh, I've been shocked how many people that are eighty and right? ninety years old are yeah. totally online and they love it. They're just having a ball. Yeah. It actually has increased the ministry for those who are perpetually going to be isolated because they're of their age or because of their health, un unrelated to COVID. Um, they now have a new way to engage with their church that it's forced them to be comfortable with. So that's important. Yeah. Dave, uh, Lighthouse does so much um, uh, in the in the terms of meeting real real community need. Um, we could spend a whole probably time talking about the things that Lighthouse puts out in, in the Cape Breton uh, area beyond, beyond Glace Bay even. Uh, mm -hmm. The question that comes to my mind though is how do, you, how do you make it all happen with funding and also human resources? How do you get the, how do you, to, even post COVID, how do, you, how do you drive these programs? Yeah, um, human resources is always tough. I'm trying to figure out how to do everything. I, if I turn my camera around, you'll see our sanctuary is actually filled with boxes that all just came from Sobeys this morning. And like, so we have to get two people to come in and pack lunch bags. That's it. Just two people. And then tomorrow we're going to do deliveries and only one person can pick stuff up at a time. And so, you know, trying to figure all that out. So the human side, we're actually trying to do everything now with less people. 
which is interesting because this morning I made a post. We needed a truck to come pick something up. And I had like 10 people message. Well, the truth is I can only have one person, <laughs> right? So that this is a new, um, anyways, it's new. So right now, this crisis though has actually made all these people available who are super bored. So you can find, it's fine. How can you use them to do one thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more that there's actually more people right now who are looking for something to do. Um, and so we have to, you know, it's just managing the people as far as resources. I'm, I'm not sure um, how this has happened over the years. We've been here doing this for 15 years and um, like right away, like when the United way posted that they're doing something um, we have made the application. We got quite a bit of money for food, breakfast, Canada, we got uh, money right away, um, New Dawn, and um, is doing something. The grocery stores here are all donating. And it's just been, I think, because we've been persistent in doing good in our community, that people now think if that something's going to happen, maybe under Kerner Lighthouse is the, the way to make it happen. So anyways, we've always been pretty fortunate the way, and the levels of government are always really good to us. So the city, the province, and the federal government. Um, so we people always hear you got we got this grant or that grant. I don't think it's by accident. I think it's because we like I've stayed in one community for a long time, and we've been consistent with serving. And because we've been consistent with serving, uh, people help a lot. Right. Now, our doesn't mean our church has money, because people always confuse those two things. Because sometimes we have like in the last this week we had. Um, like in cash donations, maybe $5,000 for food. Mm-hmm. Well, our Sunday offerings for our church are terrible. <laughs> like we're going in the hole and yet we have all this, you know, donated money for food. And so um, anyways, but it's been just being consistent. I mean, but the other shift we have to make, and I realized uh, I was in one of these Zoom calls last week with a um, some of youth workers from all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, one of the things that really struck me, everyone was talking about how they're, you know, streaming their Sunday school or streaming their youth services, et cetera. And in the middle of the conversation, one thing that hit me is like, what's the biggest needs of our kids and youth in our community? And everyone was talking about how they're streaming a service. Mm-hmm. And I said, right now we have the highest amounts of abuse. I was actually in one of our mental health and addictions meeting for the province yesterday. And the, the, their big concern is this, the highest amount of abuse that's going on. We have kids, Jim, you already mentioned it, the highest amount of kids ever who are in homes with abusers right. right now. We have the highest amount, and maybe in our lifetime, of kids and youth who are going to be hungry, who have the highest levels of anxiety. And one thing that struck me, I was in this meeting, and everyone's talking about how they're doing Bible studies and streaming their services, which are all good, by the way. But it hit me that none of them were talking about what's the biggest needs that are surrounding their churches. And it reminded me of, well, we can fall into that trap as a church in general. We're doing services and we're surrounded by lost people and broken people and incredibly needy people. And so you're right. Like we did spend the first week or two, you know, figuring out how to get online. But what are the biggest needs in our community? And, and I've realized like we're, we're trying to do a lot of stuff online, but it can't just be for us. And so, like, how can we even use our online stuff to address what issues in our, are in our town? And I think that's a big challenge to make that shift. And sometimes you think it's very unspiritual just to be talking about anxiety or depression or 
But I mean, these are the real needs of what's around us. So even how can we use what we're doing online to try to meet um, those are real present needs. And as this goes on, the longer this goes on, the more prevalent that those needs are going to become. So I think that's our challenge. How do we use our people? That's what we all have. We all have a lot of people who maybe this is the time we can actually address some of those. Well, that's good. Let's talk about that. Um, let's sort of climb up to 30,000 feet and talk about that for a minute. I'll ask you the question first, Dave, and then I'll turn it over to Chad. But, it, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, church, churches weren't in North America, weren't ready to go online. Uh, so they had to scramble to go online because they, they, they weren't doing online. And so right. they had to scramble. But in the same way, a lot of churches aren't community engaged. And it's as much right. as a learning curve for them now. How do we become, how do we, how do we get online when we weren't online before? And how do we get community engaged when we weren't community engaged before? And that's not an indictment. It's just some of our churches have, are, you know, they're, they've aged they're, They've been in existence for a while. And uh, the, the main effort of the church was to deliver a Sunday morning experience. So now they have actually two learning curves, the online learning curve. And then the, the, uh, you know, how do we become community engaged now when we work community? Like, so one of the benefits you have had is that you've had pre-existing relationships. So you're a natural outlet for ministry. People, people are coming to you because that's been your, that's been your jam the whole time. Right. What are you seeing as maybe the, uh, and this is not every church, of course, and I don't want to sound negative, but what do you see are the, the misses? When you look across the landscape of yeah. how the church is responding to, to the COVID crisis, where do you, where do you see the misses? And I'll go to chat after you, but we got you here in the, unmuted so let's go with you first well I, I mean the big ones what i just mentioned i think um we're we're trying to do what we do um online for what we normally do inside for our own people right. but if we now have a different audience and we're trying to stream the same thing like for example i i was looking at how many people watch our sunday online stuff we have honestly it's 10 times the amount of people that come on a sunday but i don't know if anyone's thought through well who the heck's watching because say it's 90% of people from your community and well, so your audience has completely changed. And I think one of the challenges that we actually as a church don't know how to speak to people in our community. Like we don't know how to speak to people who aren't Christians. And yet now we're streaming and putting all the stuff and people may just think it's odd and strange because we're not even speaking. Like, are we speaking a language that they even understand? And so we've all jumped to try to stream our services because we're trying to do that to the first need was to meet. So the people who already come to our church have a connection, but what we need to realize that maybe that's only 10% of the people who are now watching what we're putting online. And so our audience has changed. Our community is now watching. And so I think that's going to be a, a challenge for us is like, how do we take a message? And maybe this is one of the things that's going to a positive that's going to come out of this. Um, it's going to force us to speak in a way that the world understands. Right. Sure. And, you know, we can't, you know, it's going to take the church and ease out, out of a lot of things. I mean, this is a huge opportunity, but I think that's one of the changes that needs to happen when we think of what we're putting online is if our community really is watching, right. Um, do we just keep focusing on our, the people who would normally be here on Sunday? Cause our right now, like our audience, it may be 10 times more than it used to be. Right. And so I, I like to think how do how do if you have the opportunity, to speak to your community. I think that's how we need to view our online things. Maybe not the Zoom Bible study, you know, that's just, you know, our thing. But what we're putting out on Sundays, I think it changes how we need to speak. 
Well, like I was saying to some some folks, if you're a church of 50 uh, and, and that your audience is usually fit audience, it's usually 50, and all of a sudden on a given Sunday, 250 people show up to your service on top of your 50 who, who don't know anything about Jesus, you know, what, what kind of message, what kind of service would you deliver that it would be drastically different. And that's what, that's exactly what has happened. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the audience has shift. And of course it's, it's going to take a, a while to get, we, you know, the first Sunday, you're going to do what you always do. You just, you don't have time to think. Um, Chad, what do you, what do you think? Are you seeing, what are you seeing as observations as you, you know, you live in a real raw ministry there. Uh, you have a church where you've had, you know, people who are, are, who have been serving Jesus for a long time, yet you're reading, you're in a real, um, if I could use the word dark area of the city of St. John, anything that you're seeing as you watch the church on, uh, in North America respond and unfold? I think it's, it, it really is important to, uh, it, to remember our, our neighborhoods, where we are, who lives around your, your church or your organization or your, your ministry. Uh, you know, those are the folks that you, I think, I believe you really want to try to, uh, reach and to, and to love and to serve and to care and to share. I'll say it again. I find a lot of people uh, today in our world are, are are hurting. They're searching. They're they're scared about this this illness. Will they get it? Will a loved one of theirs get it? How do they get it? A lot of people are really, really, really lonely uh, because of the social distancing. It's it's really put a wedge in there where some folks used to always get together. Uh, and so people people are are I believe and I I find from my interactions they're really open. And so what Dave said makes good sense. We need to be really, really extra aware of what we're communicating, how we're speaking in our online presence and in all of our things that we're doing as the church, even running into a neighbor as you walk six feet away from them down the street, you know, being very hyper aware that, that folks need hope and they need love and, and help. And so everything that we're doing, we're trying to come from all the serving that we've been doing, all the different things that we've done in the past through different ways, through normal life to, you know, through events and different things to serve our neighborhood. Now, how can we do that with the current parameters that there are? And I think it's important to know your neighborhood and to, to be real today. People don't need a prepackaged fake approach to God. They need realness and, uh, and genuine care. Right. And I think that's so important you said about, you know, you're meeting real need but you're, you're still making the links to the gospel. You're still making the links. They don't feel a spiritual need. Well, maybe they do a little bit, but they, they, you know, the economic, the lonely, they're feeling that need. And then to, to meet that need and yet still link it to the need. Um, you know, it's Easter weekend, the need for salvation. Uh, so that making that critical, because you can meet all kinds of need and not link and, and still we, and we can, um, but also to be able to strategically link it to the gospel so that people actually have their needs met and they turn their lives over to Jesus uh, to live in that sweet spot. is a real, real challenge. Mm-hmm. takes a lot of thinking, you know, the learning curve. Uh, and you, uh, what I'm learning is that so much of what we do and so much of what I do, you just do it by rote. You just, you don't even stop to think about uh, it. You just, you have a lane and you get in it, you run it. Uh, and, and so this has been a real good, plucking out of that, that rut and think, okay, every, everything I do today has to have real value. Like real, has that make real, real, real value, make real, make, you know, be of real help. Yeah. Um, challenging. Challenging for sure. Dave, anything else in your mind? You know what? I, 
there's a lot of positives that are going to come out of this. Like I was thinking, even for the church in general, like, um, you know, I'm an, I'm a pastor of a church who, you know, we have salaries, we have staff and all these things. And just to think 90% of the churches and, and pastors in the world are either bivocational or volunteers. Right. And like, we're in a panic, but the truth is 90% of the churches operate without all the stuff that we have in the first place. And they've been fine. And matter of fact, seem to be doing quite well. And, you know, we're all worried about the loss of certain things. But the truth is the majority of the church in the world operates without all the stuff we have and are doing a fantastic job. And I, you know, throughout this whole thing, I hope we actually get stripped away from some of the stuff. We may think it's all a benefit to us, but um, it may be a lot of stuff that holds us back. And because the rest of the church is doing fine without all the stuff we have. And I think people people are more receptive to the church. I mean, there was there has been some hostility to the church, but when people see the church go forward without all the benefits, um, it does prove the authenticity of of the church. Just like like our pastors, our pastors are being laid off, and and yet they're still doing the work of the ministry. So it yeah. just it just shows everybody these people weren't in it for the money, right? They were in it for the mission and it's become quite significant. And I think you're right. I think as we lose some of the trappings that we have, uh, we will, it will accelerate. I, I just read an interesting book a little while back that drew direct correlation between the, the tough times the church was in, could be persecution, could be the lack of, of, of resources. Uh, and in every case, there was a, and in the, in the book, every case, there was a flourishing of the church. So, you know, they're in the, you know, Christians are being slaughtered, uh, you know, in the early, in the early church, they were accelerating, even though they were being exterminated, they were actually accelerating. And, and then through history, just the parallels between the, the tough time and how the church uh, um, accelerated. An interesting thing, this is off subject, but in the book, the correlation between uh, the mobilizing of the young, young, where young people grab the mission and they moved from the sidelines and letting the adults do the, they moved to the, so I haven't thought that through yet. How, what does that mean for us? But I thought that was quite significant. Yeah. You know, one of the highlights of the Christian faith, you think of it throughout history um, in Europe, when all the plagues hit, like some of the most incredible stories of Christianity about the people who stayed and helped and served. Right. And a lot of them gave their lives to do it. And um, those are some of like when you think of all the bad history of Christianity throughout the Middle Ages and stuff too, that you have these highlights of when the church gave, sacrificed, and served. That those are written in history, and everyone thinks that's an incredible time of the church. Right. And I mean, that's where we are right now. And so, I mean, if we decide, even we don't know exactly how to what we can do or how to do it, but you know, if we find ways to serve, that's what people are going to remember throughout this and afterwards. Yeah. Exactly. And that gives us such cachet for, you know, for future ministry, you know, to have a voice. The reason why you can do what you're doing now a little bit in Lighthouse and what you can do what you can do in St. John is because you have, before COVID, you put some deposits in the tank uh, and now you have leverage and people willing to, to work with you. Chad, put you on the spot here, but any, any uh, encouragement for our maritime churches or maritime pastors who might watch this interview and, and think, you know, well, what do we, what do we do here? What do we, do you have any encouragement? I, I would just say that, uh, you know, I, I am learning. I'll speak from myself. I am learning of the faithfulness of God and his provision 
when life uh, doesn't, you can't even say this is a speed bump. This is like a gaping hole in the highway, a huge sinkhole that showed up here along our way of doing church and life the normal way that it's been. And I've been totally astounded at the doors that God has opened right. and the things that God, want, I think, wants us to do as the church today. Uh, I've reminded our people that that old old time Bible verse in Esther chapter four, verse 14, as Esther said, or it was said of Esther, you know, maybe the Lord has raised you up for this very time right now as a deliverer for your people, as an influence for God. And, and I believe that's for us today. You know, it can be daunting. It can be in some circumstances you can say, gee, I don't know how to serve. We have so many regulations and rules. What, what can we really do to reach out and help? And I think we just need to look next door. Who's living next door? Who, who's walking by right now on their on their job? There, there are all kinds of opportunities for us to just gently, humbly serve and, and help. And uh, I think those opportunities are going to go far beyond this current health crisis. And there will be greater relationships as we go forward as well. I think you're right. I think when, when we ask this, the Spirit of God, what does, what does he want us to do? He does give us something to do. Uh, if we actually take the pause, the, the, it, might, it might look very different for every church. Um, but when, when um, we ask God to give us a, a, a step of mission, he always gives us a step of mission. And it might be very different from what every, um, what every other person is, is doing or church is doing. What I'm, what I'm finding I'm saying to pastors a lot is, um, you know, God knew this pandemic was coming. He, he, knew what, he knew what 2020 was going to look like. And when he was assembling the leaders, when he was picking who was going to be alive and leading the, the churches in this, he picked you. Like he, I mean, right or wrong, he, 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 he thought, I'm going to assemble this crew. I'm going to put this, these people in charge of the church at this time. And so we have to step into that and, and, uh, and realize that God has placed, like you said, God has placed, I see, feel so ill-equipped, but yet I have to believe that in his wisdom, and even in my weakness, he's, a, he's aligned it that I'm not a pastor in 20,048. I'm a pastor in 2020. And uh, doesn't make sense to me, but he seemed to think that was a wise decision. Uh, but that's what I tell our pastors. Like, you, you know, you, it was all, you were supposed to be where you are in this season. Dave, last word goes to you. Any, any insights? Well, uh, I think this here. is, this is like a huge opportunity. Chad mentioned at the beginning, like he reached out to the United Way and he, one of the great things was connecting with other people that are doing things in your community. Um, even if you can't figure out what to do, we actually have an opportunity to um, connect with through, if, if that may be a way you meet some new friends right now and some more people. I've, just the last two weeks, I've met so many people who are doing stuff in our community I didn't even know about. And it's, it's actually been wonderful. And, you know, one of the other things I was thinking about um, a couple of years ago, when we did that hemorrhaging faith study, mm-hmm. we interviewed all these people were interviewed about, you know, what they liked about church and, and all this stuff. And we're always, you know, under such pressure, like to present all this very fancy stuff online. I was thinking about this the other day. One of the things that I remembered about it, no one ever talked about like why they love church or didn't like church. None of them, not, out of the 5,000 people, all the fancy stuff we do in church never came up. And, but that's like when we're in this rush, the live stream, everyone's trying to do all this perfect job. It was, it was never even an issue. It was not anything that everyone said, I go to this church because of that, or I don't because of this. What it came down to was, did they feel part of it, you know, and the heart issues. And so 
I think it's encouraged should be encouraging to everyone. It's not about all the fancy stuff you can put online. Do people feel like they're loved, accepted? And and how can we build community even in, in all of this? And that's what matters. And so I think sometimes people get scared. I can't produce, you know, what someone else producing. Listen, no one cares. Right. Like what they need to hear from is, is you and that, you know, have that connection with some people in your community and, and with each other. And so this, how do we, you know, let's, let's continue to be community and be a loving family to one another through this. Yeah, just showing people that there are, that's all that matters, right? Showing people that they're a part and that they're valued. My little church that I grew up in in Port Hawkesbury, I mean, you know, we, we, it was clumsy as far as, you, as services and stuff go in a small group. But, you know, I, I stayed serving Jesus through all that because I was connected there and, and didn't have all the, the offerings that, that, that churches could have. And, I, I, you know, some of our churches are doing really great. Like some, some churches are doing simple, all they're doing is, People in the church are making phone calls. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the, the complete COVID-19 strategy is phone, phoning people and praying for people and saying hello. Nothing wrong. That's yeah. fantastic. And that's good. Right? And, yeah. and especially in some of, some of the communities that they're in, it's just it's because that's what people care about. So thanks for your time. 